This is Genre Talk. This is Genre Talk. This is Genre Talk. Hello, Peter. Hello, audience. Back for another show. This will be the final show this year. This is our show that comes on the, the day after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. The, the whole kit and caboodle. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Kwanzaa, all the uh, Festivus, all the things that you celebrate. That's right. So how you doing, Peter? Oh, well, you know, still recovered from the flu, so... <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But uh, how are you hopefully... doing, Brian? I'm doing fine. We're recording this before Christmas, so I can't ask how your Christmas went. But I'm going to assume you had a a great Christmas. You spent spent at home with your family. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my kiddo is in town, so uh, Mercedes, who was the fan guest for the the Tamara Pierce interview, is uh, back in town, and just uh, always awesome to get to you know hang out with your kiddos. Exactly. Well, and we, we both have traveled a lot this year, so I, for one, was glad to have the holidays at home. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, you, were, yeah, you yeah. were running pretty ragged there near the end. I really was, but you, you did quite the circuit, too. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so the guest for this show, which is episode eight, is a guy who is one of the first people in science fiction I connected with. His name is Ken Scholes. He's a friend of both Peter and I. Ken started his series, The Psalms of Isaac, for Tor, uh, with an amazing debut novel called Lamentation in 2009. It released in early 2009. I think he wrote it in 2007, 2008. Um, and it was the, one of the first books I found in science fiction. At the time, I thought I was reading epic fantasy. As we talk about on the show, I think this series really evolved more beyond into something post-apocalyptic sci-fi, something that defies genre, easy genre boundaries. There's so many different elements in it, but it it was a five-book series, and in the course of trying to write that over the last nine years, Ken went through a bunch of life upheavals and crises, from a numerous deaths of close relatives to a divorce, to, to the birth of children, to all kinds of things that have really kind of put him through the ringer. Um, so... In one way, it probably, as we talk about, helped his writing, but it has been quite the journey. So I'm really pleased to close the year by by talking about his new book, Him, which is the final book in the Psalms of Isaac. And without he, further ado... Well, no, I, I, I want right. to add that he, he is um, an amazingly prolific short story writer. He has numerous short story collections out from Fair, Fairwood Press, as well as, um, Absolutely. as yep. the stuff that we have here. But yeah... Psalms of Isaac is a, a series I highly recommend. I think everybody should check it out. Put it, put it on your, use your Christmas money for it. And so, yeah, as Peter said, go ahead, Peter. Oh, <laughs> without further ado, <laughs> uh, here's Ken. Here's Ken, episode eight. This is John Talk. Get links and notes from today's show. Find us at genretalk.podbean.com. This is Genre Talk. Our guest today is an old dear friend of mine, Brian's, 
Ken Scholes. And Ken, welcome to Genre Talk. Hey, thanks, Brian. It's good to be here. We usually get started with a question we like to ask everybody, which is, what do you geek out over? What are you a fan of? Batman. Batman? Hands down, absolutely. All oh my god, so, so have you been getting into Gotham? No, I'm saving that for a special occasion. I, I was also really slow coming to Smallville and then ended up really liking it. So I uh, I watched the first episode of Gotham and then I was like, yeah, I'm just going to let it sit. So I will pick it up at some point, though, because I'm going to want to, but I'll be able to binge it, right? I'll have, I don't know, what season are they on now? They're just into season four, and that was actually kind of similar to what happened with me. I caught that first episode, and I was like, eh, okay, it looks like fun. It's Gordon and whatever. Uh, And then a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know, I need some good background while I'm writing, and it's just nonstop now. I haven't been able to stop. I, uh, I'm looking forward to binging it at some point. I, um, I'm way behind right now on my Marvel stuff, so I've, I've still got to finish up um, Iron Fist and then the Defenders, and now I'm hearing all this awesome stuff about Punisher, so hopefully I'll get that all caught up by Christmas. We'll see. Yeah, I haven't tried any of those. I've heard bad things about Punisher and about Defenders. Basically, they're t- saying the Iron, Iron Fist actor is kind of, kind of weak. I don't know. So I haven't tried any of them yet, but I've got... I, I just finished my Longmire and my Stranger Things, and I've got other things to go on to. But anyway, Batman. So, what do you like? When you geek out about reading, what do you geek out about? Besides Batman, obviously, which is a comic. Uh, you know, to be honest, for the last, most of the last 10 years, when I geek out, it's nonfiction. Um, once yeah. I started writing fiction, once I started writing novels, especially, my interest in reading novels plummeted. Um, now I've I fixed some of that by going to Audible and you know picking up uh, you know I get tokens every month that whole thing, and that's helped. But I'm still buying a lot of nonfiction even on Audible, and I you know I don't know, um, yeah I don't know I used to I mean I used to be a voracious devourer of novels, and I guess maybe this is going to be kind of like you know all the stockpiling I'm doing of Gotham I'm stockpiling a bunch of novels because I'm buying them I've got stacks of books I want to read, uh, I just haven't had the I just haven't had the interest. Well, nonfiction is an, uh, is an acceptable, you know, place to go geek out. What what gets you going in nonfiction? Um, these days, I've been doing neuroscience and Eastern philosophy, uh, particularly Alan Watts. I love that. It's like listening to Obi Wan Kenobi talk about the nature <laughs> of consciousness. Um, you know, he was. If you don't, if you're not familiar with Alan Watts, he was a British. Um, I believe he started out as an Anglican. And then, as he dug deeper and deeper into philosophy, ended up becoming kind of a guy who bridged the gap and kind of made it accessible to to Western brains a little more. Uh, and so he used to give lots of lectures during the you know the whole you know 60s and 70s down in the Bay Area. And my buddy Manny Frischberg turned me on to him uh, with a book called The Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. Yeah, that's really funny. Just last weekend, Manny was talking to me about uh, brains operating in both analog and digital, and he sent me down a neuroscience rabbit hole because of dolphins and dolphin communication. He is uh, a great guy. So what is, what is, um, uh, are you listening to those on audio or are you reading them or doing both? I am, uh, I'm doing both. I have, I have, uh, they have collected a lot of his lectures into audible books. Some of them are pretty long, so it's give you a nice long listen. Um, and then I also have some paper copies. Um, and, uh, man, I was going to say, there's something that, uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah, Manny. You know, Manny and I go back. I, I met Manny the same day I met John Pitts. You know, I, we we three became pals kind of that same day at a little writing group in Seattle twenty years ago. Just this last month, I think it's crazy. Oh, wait, no, is it this last month or is it? No, I think it is. I think it, it is. All right, Ken. All right, we're all getting old. You don't have to yeah, go on. Hey, you know, <laughs> I'm wearing mine like a badge of honor. <laughs> I don't have any choice anymore. All the gray is going to be there whether I want it to or not. So it is a badge on her. You're right. People so keep how- telling me that I don't have red hair uh, because, you know, my children's hair is a brighter shade of red. And I have to remind them that because I have children now, my hair is getting blonder each year. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, and, and your your ex uh, and their mother had uh, quite red hair, too. So that's part of the influence, too. But uh, our, our hair does change. <laughs> So what's it feel like to uh, have completed five books? You started quite the epic journey. I believe book one came in like 2008, didn't it? Lamentation. And here you are in 2017 and him has just come out. How does it feel? It's still uh, it's still a little, you know, not real yet because I haven't actually held a copy of the book in my hand. It, it releases officially, I think, on next Tuesday. Yeah, December December fifth. It says yeah, sorry. Yeah, December fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's wacky. I wrote I wrote Lamentation in this blur back in two thousand six, and then Tor picked it up at the end of two thousand seven, and released it in like early two thousand nine. But they really pushed it pretty hard that for all of two thousand eight. I mean, I was out promoting it at a couple of big events, including BEA, um, and yeah, no, it's it's wacky that it's been about a decades since I you know since that all started and uh, now it's wrapping up um, it feels good I mean I, I was the guy who was never going to write a novel because I was really terrified of anything longer than 10,000 words and um, you know and I, I'll be honest it was not my overall experience of writing the Psalms of Isaac was not positive I did not enjoy it even close to the amount of, of enjoyment that I would get from writing short stories um, it was largely a gigantic pain in the ass well I mean and you're talking not just about the writing process, but you're, you've had a lot of crises in your life that have gone along as part of the journey of writing the book. And I think that makes a difference in how you feel about it, too, don't you think? Oh, well, I mean, it, it potentially, sure. But at the same time, it didn't just color my opinion. It was really, really hard to write those books because I was writing sure. them through all of those events. It was just, there was, yeah, if, if I had been writing those novels without burying my parents and my nephew and my and Jay and my marriage and all those things, I mean, I, I might have had a more positive experience of it. I, I don't know. Uh, but I'll never know. It made it. Right? Yeah, it kind of made it work. I think it made it more work because you... You had an obligation to write the books, but it wasn't where you were in your life that you wanted to do it, probably, I would imagine. Well, and I don't know that I had the capacity, uh, to be honest. When Once the PTSD swept in and started kind of kicking me in the head, um, you know, it wasn't just depression. It was depression and panic attacks and anxiety and um, and just, I mean, I would, I would have, you know, I had muscle tremors even from it. Um, so there just was not any, there were no gigabytes left for for telling a story um i just needed to kind of survive my own story um well which is interesting because reading book five and i have followed the whole series as you know i'm reading i'm halfway through book five right now the hymn which i somehow got to hold my hand before you did which is quite an honor um 
and I'm I, I'm reading it, and the emotional arcs of the characters kind of reflect and and have a feel that in some ways probably echoes some of the emotions that the author felt. Um, I would say, in the sense that some of the despair and some of the feelings of uh, um, I can't do this and stress and things that the characters go through is very real, and, I, and probably in part because you know where whereof you were writing about. Oh, I think that's probably true going back. I mean, the, the entire series is about, you know, trauma and loss. And the first book just sets sets us off, to the you know, down the race. I, I, and I would agree, but I think that you're about halfway into him, which means that you are coming up to the point where I picked up again pretty soon. And we'll start to see it uh, hopefully crescendo out into into its title. Um because there's there was also I remember when I got to the once I got kind of moved out and settled into my new space uh, in the new den of Ken, uh, which is now my old den of Ken because I'm in a different space now. Um, I uh, I just jammed that out um, and there was a sense of relief uh, there towards the end. But uh, but yeah, that, I mean I, I think that f- I think part of what makes my writing and it wasn't just this but my short fiction too is is just the emotional. Um, I invest my own emotional life into it, into my, my work in a, and I don't try to do it. It's just, I, I, you know, on the MBTI, I show a preference towards the INFJ personality type with the extroverted feelings. Right. So uh, almost everything I ever read about my work, people are talking about the emotional resonance. Um, well, that's because I'm a big, you know, I'm a big feely boy, um, who cramps his feelings into everything he does, whether it's music or writing. Um, but I don't know. Sure. We'll see how and it I holds think, up at the end, right? And I think that's a. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think a lot of artists do that, and I think honestly, a lot of writers do that. But not all of them do it as well as others. And you, it, it in some ways, it's a gift and a curse at the same time, probably for you. I don't know if it's. I, I mean, it's just it's just who I am, and so I, I could never write. Yeah. I could never write something that didn't have characters would it'd be very difficult for me to, I mean if I were going to write a robot the robot's going to have to cry I mean the robot's going to have to have feelings right um, but then he'll get rusty and then he can't move man Ken that's me I'm just kidding yeah <laughs> for those people who have not read uh, the Psalms of Isaac tell us a little bit about him kind of as a pre-pitch Sure. Uh, I mean, the Psalms of Isaac kicks off with the first novel, Lamentation, uh, which follows four primary characters um, from the day that they see the fire on the horizon that tells them the world's largest city has been destroyed. And so it becomes an unfolding mystery that's really, you know, if you really had to capture it, I wouldn't even call it science fiction. I'd call it a, a techno thriller, far future techno thriller, because it's really about a piece of technology that goes wrong, right? Um but uh, you know, and then it, it just it you know it follows these these people and others along the way as their lives are completely changed by the war that follows and the discovery of of an enemy that they didn't realize existed and a world that's much bigger than they realized. Um, it, it's you know, and it's about you know people starting families and losing families in the midst of of chaos and conflict. I mean, it's it's really it's a. About people's lives and and how they respond in their different different roles that they're in. 
I think I think one of the things I like about it is that there's so many different genres it, it applies to you, okay? And I, I, I think it, it's not narrowly defined, and I don't think literature necessarily has to be. Genres are kind of false constructs anyway that we often rely on way too much. But I, you know, one of the interesting things about it is, and I think one of the reasons that so many different people with different from different fandoms like it is because it's got so much diversity in genre. You can't really pigeon, pigeonhole it in one or the other. I used to call it an otherworldly biblical epic. That's a good description. That's fantastic. You know, the book, when it started out, it had a real epic fantasy feel to me. And I would say that the feel that I get now from the series in book five is much more of a post-apocalyptic sci-fi thing than an epic fantasy, which is interesting. I'm kind of wondering how your original vision for the story, did you start out knowing what you wanted it to be, or did that evolve? Or... Did you just kind of let it go where it goes? So now, I guess since we're at the last book, I don't know if you remember all of the back and forth when the first book came out about whether or not it was science fiction, whether or not it was fantasy. People were always trying to get me to answer. Um, I've I've been on the record since book three uh, that it's science fiction. It's it's post-apocalyptic science fiction. But here's the thing. I don't know how people keep... Maybe even, I think it's even on the jacket cover now or, or on some of the promotional stuff that this is distant future Earth. I have never, ever uh, indicated this distant future Earth. And if you've gotten that this as far into the series as you are now, you know it's not because you know the name of the planet is Last Home. And they've built a temple to their to their first home, um, and it's pretty pretty clear indicator that this is not that you know. That, but people have just kind of made that assumption, and what I wanted to do was let people just roll with their assumptions. So it, it's never been epic fantasy. Um, when I first wrote the very first short story that all of this came out of, it was I didn't need to know what the genre was. It was some weird science fantasy thing that I didn't have to explain because it was a short story. Um, but it, it's 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 distant future post-apocalyptic fantasy um at you know at the end of humanity's life cycle so gotcha well i and i don't i never got the impression it was earth so that's interesting that people are people are making that supposition so ken we i wanted to ask you when you knew it how did you plan this thing how when did you know it was five books and how much of it did you plan actually for those who are unfamiliar before he answers the question I should tell you all the names of the books are Lamentation, Canticle, Antiphon, Requiem, and then Hymn. So these are the Psalms of Isaac. So um, very little planning. I, uh, I had a short story, and then I thought that there would be four short stories, so I wrote the second short story. And then I used the first and second short story as the beginning and end to the novel. And, uh, and then just filled in everything else. And then filled in a little bit more at the beginning um, to give us a, a, a more of a beginning to the story than, than where the short story picked up. Um, but then from there, I really didn't do a lot of planning. I knew it would be five books when I was in the midst of, uh, I was revising and I was taking notes for Canticle and I had originally thought it would be a trilogy but then I realized that it would easily be five books, but that I also made a commitment at that point to stop there. And I had four of the five titles, you know, pretty early. It took a while to get Antiphon, but once I once I figured out that an Antiphon was a response to a canticle, uh, it made perfect sense. 
and um, and so I intentionally kept it there and decided that I could be a disciplined enough writer to create the you know we we create the size of our house and then we move our stuff into it right we don't just you know put our stuff in a field and then shape the house around it as best we can we you know I decided how much story I was going to carry and then I made sure my bucket you know was that size and uh, I wanted to keep it at five I really had hoped to turn it do it a lot faster so that people would get five books delivered quickly but you know that's where all of the wonky stuff started happening as I started kind of bleeding out people in my life Um, and you know we I mean the combined losses of the period of time I worked on this book um, I think it was somewhere around 10 or 11 deaths in our families um, yeah, it's just really a lot to take. Uh, you know, so you became George R. R. Martin. <laughs> well, I mean, you could do worse. I yeah, I yeah, I mean, I I I feel like it. You know, I got through it all, and I got it. You know, my series is now done, and I wrapped it within a decade of starting it. Yeah, well, and you know, I I I'm a big fan of this series. This series is a series that really helped me get excited about epic fantasy again after a long time of not having read much fantasy or science fiction. It it, it got me excited about um, post-apocalyptic in a way that I hadn't been and inspired me to go on and read things that I know were some of your influences, which would probably be a good thing to talk about, such as The Canical for Leibowitz, which has become one of my favorite books. That's Walter Miller's classic. Um, there's other books like David Brin's The Postman and other things that are wonderful as well. But I had not read a lot of post-apocalyptic before, so you kind of got me into that, and then I found some things that were were wonderful. What were some of your influences? Uh, well, I mean, some of my biggest influences um, overall were, you know, Ray Bradbury and, you know, the pulp era. Um, and, um, you know, Heinlein's uh, juvenile books. You know, I mean, it's kind of the normal path for us, you know, almost 50-somethings. Um, Stephen King was a big influence. Um to a degree, Tom Clancy in the the idea of how he wrote, you know, kind of his some of his early thrillers, um, and then uh, when I was actually drafting, my influences became um, let's see, uh, television series like oddly enough, Lost and Firefly and Battlestar Galactica, the new the new version. Uh, those I was watching those while writing, and I was learning a lot uh, from how, uh, for instance, from Lost. Um, the backstory and the characters and how the characters all kind of meshed um, and the mysteries that continue to be unfolded um, that that was definitely uh, an influence for me and then kind of the darkness of you know humanity on the edge of extinction was certainly an influence in the Battlestar Galactica stuff Um, so I mean but I you know I'm also I think it's probably true of all of us that we may have things that we speak to when we say we're influenced but in full in the fullness of it all I was I was influenced by life and everything in life both the arts that I you know that I consumed and the 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 suffering I endured the losses that I bore um you know all of it 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 shaped and and created this story and the story of me and all of my other stories probably a good time to get Michael in here Michael is our our surprise fan guest as we do every week we have a fan guest michael cummings was a regular on my science fiction fantasy writers chat and he actually has moved up and lives in the uh, pacific northwest area and has spent time with ken face to face at this point and michael had some interesting questions that relate to the book that could kind of take us further into it before we get into more about ourselves so michael why don't you go ahead and ask your questions of ken hey ken surprise i love that it's you <laughs> So my first question, and 
I think this is a fair question is now that you're looking back at the finished series, did it go the way you expected when you started writing the first draft of Lamentation? That is a great question. Um, when I initially wrote the first draft of Lamentation, I learned after I finished it and after I started seeing how my first readers were reacting that, uh, and after I started building notes for the second book, that it was going to be really easy um, to kind of land this in five volumes. Because when I first wrote Lamentation, I thought I was going to write a trilogy with Lamentation, Canticle, and Requiem as my books. Um, and then during the initial, you know, the first little tiniest parts of Canticle, I realized that it was going to be five books. And I, uh, and I came up with, with him as the title for the last book. Um, but so as far as, you know, the, uh, the length, it came out about right. Um, the things that I couldn't have predicted are the things I discovered along the way. Like, um, I, I mean, there are whole groups of people I didn't know existed in this world until I got even to, up to the last book in some cases and characters who would step out, you know, and they start out as kind of very secondary and in the shadows and suddenly become, you know, front and center on the stage for part of a book. Um, so there were those things that surprised me, but overall the story is, yeah, the story is largely how I envisioned the series landing once I knew it was going to be a five book series. So you've kind of already uh, touched on my next question, but what character or characters were there that, that just you hadn't, you know, you'd written them off as, oh, I, I need a character here to to help me, you know, bridge the scene who became uh, a more major character in the story? Uh, hands down, let's see. Well, one, I mean, in Lamentation, it was Vlad and Winters. And they, I liked them so much and saw so much of their potential that I knew that they had to come out and play for the rest of the series. Um, and then as it got closer to the end, the one that, that, that I guess, well, I guess two that kind of surprised me, Charles, who, you know, I thought was dead until, uh, <laughs> until Canticle when I realized that he was, you know, he had sent a mechanical out to get to have him re self rescued. Um, you know, I, Charles surprised me, uh, his story arc throughout. And then also, uh, my favorite, my absolute favorite character who trumped, uh, oh, I, I don't even like using that word now. Um, mm. the, who, who replaced Rudolfo as my, as my favorite was Marta, who I didn't know was going to be a character until I knew I needed a character at the beginning of Requiem who could kind of tag along, um, and give a point of view. Winters? Ah, as a reader, Winters came across as such an integral part of the story. Never would have guessed that. Well, Winters, yeah, Winters, you mean in the, from the first book? Yeah, the, right. Winters was a product of my, um, now my ex-wife, but at the time my wife, uh, when she was first reading Lamentation, she, she pointed out, and rightly so, that I was not doing, I, I was writing my female characters like Robert E. Howard. Um, and, and Edgar Rice Burroughs and, and, you know, the pulp writers of the 30s who were not, you know, that's not a sensibility you can write in today um, because it's, it's not really real. So one of the uh, exciting things about having you, Michael, is that uh, the, the two of you, Ken and Michael, have a uh, little something that you uh, were hinting at before. Do you want to tell us about that? Well, I think Disney will get angry. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I think we can. I mean, it's it's this just this tiny little thing, really, where Michael and I started this question and answer back and forth about kind of how to. I think it was how to develop a short story into a into a series of novels. But his memory might be better than mine. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, as 
a lot of listeners probably know, uh, Ken originally wrote uh, the short story version of what became Lamentation long since ago at this point. Um, I'm muddling this a little, Ken, correct me. Uh, but my question originally was around how he took that from a short story to a novel. And that's kind of where things kicked off in our discussion. And I don't know how far in we are on that, but I think we have, I mean, we have some words. We, we've, you know, who knows what it'll turn into. It could be an article. It could be a tiny book. Um, I mean, we've, I, I think, I think the last thing I said was, it's not done until you're finished writing your books. So we've got forever and it's no big rush. So it's a, it's a dialogue of sorts. I think it'll turn into an article or a potentially a book or an interview, but I'm not sure because, you know, we just, we just started grabbing information and it seemed like it might be useful to other people besides, you know, the two of us. Right. And what was the short story called again that, that started the thing? I know you have several short stories in the name lands, but what is the uh, one that the particular one was about Isaac, as I recall, and it was used as part of Lamentation. What was the name of that story? It was called Of Metal Men and Scarlet Thread and Dancing with the Sunrise. Right, right. One of the famous Ken Skull's titles, which are as longer than his short stories, but very interesting. Anyway. <laughs> That's pretty good, Ryan. <laughs> Michael, did you have did you have another uh, uh, question for him real quick before we go, we go back in here? Just uh, one last quick question. Uh, now that the Psalms are done, um, are you looking to writing any more fiction moving forward? Anything we can get excited about? I think. Um, let's see. Well, I'm working on a nonfiction project. I've got actually a couple. Um, one is, you know, that is that PTSD book that I still don't know what's going to exactly happen with, um, because there've been so many changes in, in my life around all of that. Um, and then another, um, that I'm working on, that's kind of a, I don't know, it's not quite self-help. It's not quite philosophy. It's somewhere in between. Um, but I think that, you know, when I come back to fiction, I owe some short stories that I've, I've committed to writing. Um, and then I think I'm going to write YA for a bit or middle grade, something that my kids can read um, and just, you know, give myself some time to adjust to my new life in my new town, in my new job. Michael, thanks for being our guest. We appreciate you being a fan guest and asking Ken some questions. It's really great to have people on, especially when they have that secret connection, you know, for everybody. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to me because Ken Ken's book, Lamentation, intrigued me because of my background with... Uh, with with biblical studies and things and so i looked him up on facebook and that's how we became friends and i met jay and a whole lot of other people john pitts and a lot of people that have have been good become good friends and been involved in my career through that connection of just making the acquaintance of ken and then figuring out who ken was friends with and and listening to who ken recommended i read and so on and so forth and and so that's just how the networking works so it's it's cool how these little connections happen and then these authors actually become part of your lives so it's cool to have somebody on who simplifies that so thank you michael hey thanks for having me on tonight uh, hey it was awesome it was awesome having you here man we need to go uh get some more iraqi food this is genre talk want show updates follow us on twitter at genre talk So uh, you were talking about always being able to write no matter where you were, so long as you could plug the headphones in, uh, kind of uh, an environmental thing. Do you have specific playlists that you assemble for, for stories or does it not matter? Can you just kind of put it on the universe's random and go? It doesn't matter what the music is. 
it doesn't really matter what the music is um but if i get stalled then i always go back to simon and garfunkel um they they're almost always going to get me unstuck oh that's that's fantastic do, so does that extend to paul simon stuff like graceland is one of my favorites or or does it have to to be the the simon and garfunkel combo to get you unstuck unstuck no it's the uh it's the um it's it's anything paul simon he, his, his stuff works in general and i mean there are other musicians that'll, that'll kind of grease the skids for me too but um it's um if you read through my body of work you'll be surprised at how many um, how many references there are to Paul Simon songs, uh, both in the short <laughs> fiction and I think in the novel too. Well, as a matter of fact, um, I talk about the ship that sailed the moon in, in this series. Uh, and that's taken from his song, American Tune. Actually, I'm not surprised to hear that. I hadn't thought about it before, but Paul Simon, one of the interesting things about Paul Simon as, is that things like Graceland, where he really is a guy that kind of has undefined genres for his music in much the same way that, you know, those songs of Isaac is kind of hard to to pin down as far as far as what exact genre it is. And and so that actually seems pretty uh, logical to me. So that's interesting. So this is actually all kind of interesting for me because I had never thought about this before, but my short work is also largely hard to define. Right? If you take a story like If Dragon's Mass Eve Be Cold and Clear, um, it's it's not quite it's kind of fantasy it's not really it's kind of post-apocalyptic but it doesn't i never think about genre when i write though of course i just think about characters solving problems in a place and those places and characters and problems all get pretty weird (laughs) damn you for refusing to let us pin you down ken damn you no i'm kidding oh i'd let you guys pin me down oh baby (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, all right, all right, because I have to be the perennial smartass, it's kind of one of my things. Have you ever tried to metapunk yourself and write two Batman soundtracks? I have never tried that, um, but I would try it only if I could be in a replica of the Batmobile wearing the suit, right, with the cape and the cowl while I did it. That would be, uh, and then I would hope that DC would want me to write a Batman story, uh, I could so Photoshop that, meta, that for meta. you. <laughs> uh, we'd have to raise money for charity somehow by having me fight <laughs> crime and then, you know, captured in a reality, you know, Trailer Boy as Batman. Well, we could do one of those live write-a-thons that you've done, like you did with Jay, where you wrote a story live at some convention where Ken writes as Batman. That might be awesome. It would. Well, we kind of we're kind of running. We've kind of taken a lot of your time, but we we appreciate it. I I really wanted to get you on. This show will probably go on about in January. Uh, be our first show for the new year. So, um, the book will have been out. You know, a little a little under a month, or maybe just about a month. Um, I uh, I got to tell you, people, if if you could not, you could do a lot worse than to start. 2018 by reading the Psalms of Isaac. I'm going to actually go back and reread all of them at some point in 2018, even though I'm reading the fifth book now, because there's so many nuances and so many details that after the spread out period of time I've read the first uh, all five books, I really want to get them together and see how it all came together. And because I've spent so much time with Ken as a friend uh, talking about his process, I want to kind of see, kind of behind the scenes, I know all this stuff, I want to see how it plays out in the book. Because a lot of that stuff is there, 
but I need to see it all in one piece to kind of really put all the pieces together, so to speak. So I'm, you know, I tell you, this is one of my favorite series. Um, it's, it's, I still, I, I hope this doesn't depress Ken for me to say this. I still think Lamentation is the best book of the of the five so far, <laughs> but I haven't finished him. Um, Lamentation to me, there was just something really magical about that. It's just a really special first novel. That's not to say the other books aren't good. There was just something really amazing and special about that book and maybe it's just the way it touched me more than the writing crap but it it certainly is a special experience I, i'm very fond of that book i love that you love it man and i uh i think that you know this is a good time for folks to jump into the series because tor just recently made the first four available in a like i think it's a 24.99 kindle bundle um and, and i think it's across all you know all of the book pl platforms um I don't know how many of them are in, I don't know what you can get in print anymore, but I know that Kindle and, and Audible uh, have versions. And I think they just dropped Lamentation down to two ninety nine as a fantasy first thing. Very cool. So grab them while you can. Well, um, where can we find you? Uh, people want to want to chat with you, want to talk to you. Where can people, where, where can people... Besides every uh, what third Friday at uh, the uh, Village Inn in uh, Saint Saint Helens, Oregon, where else can they track you down? Well, um, I'm always easily found on Facebook, and I think I have a room for about two thousand more friends before I hit that five thousand mark. So you know, if people want to chat, all I recommend I, I take I take Facebook requests. Just if you if we don't have any mutual friends, drop me a note telling me that you are a fan of the series or that you're a writer or whatever, but don't just, don't just blindly friend me unless we have mutual friends because, uh, you know, at that point I, I start thinking you're maybe an Eastern European beauty looking for a, a new husband. I get some of those. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, is that so where wrong? else can stalkers, no. I mean, fans find you? Um, I'm never on Twitter. Um, I am barely on my website uh, email. I think the best place they're going to find me is uh, is Facebook. Um, and barring that, they'd have to you know shoot me a note um, through through my uh, through my website. Though it sometimes can be you know a couple of weeks before I answer those notes. Um, and then otherwise, I mean, I can be found. Um, I can be found in Portland, Oregon, in in many of our fine restaurants. <laughs> And, and, and all they have to do is, you know, offer to buy me lunch and I'll sign their books probably. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think I'm making a couple of appearances in this area. I know I'll be at Powell's on January 11th. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't have anything else booked, but I might get up to Seattle. Oh, and, you know, I, well, I don't know that it matters at this point, but I'll be down in San Francisco in early December. But I think that that's, uh, I think that the show will not have aired by then. That's okay. People could take their uh, TARDIS and go back to that time and, and, and visit you. That is a brilliant idea. And it would be great if they could pick up copies of any of my future works and bring them back to me so that I can get them scanned and uploaded to my publisher. Speaking of future works, do you have any plans at this point? I know you and I have talked, and, and writing has kind of become a, a lesser priority right now with other things going on in your life. But are you... You know, you've talked about doing a love story or a romance or something at some point. You've talked about doing, um, 
I think, detective things and other things. Do you have anything specific in, in mind that you want to start working on or are working on besides the thing you're doing with Michael, or are you just kind of waiting to see what happens? Well, it's it's becoming more clear. I, I told myself that I put myself on break until January, um, and then I owe a couple of short stories. Um, and then I have, uh, I think I'm going to move over to YA or middle grade, um, and I'm, I am uh, doing the research um into that and I have a concept that I'm I'm fleshing out I drafted a chapter um, in a bizarre fit of, of sudden energy back in the spring I don't know how much of it I, I would use but it was um, it was definitely pointing me in the right direction so I have a feeling I'm going to switch over and write stuff that my girls could read for a little while but we'll see what happens I, I've made a promise that I, I don't feel I won't feel the need to start anything until the first of the year well great we'll look forward to that well, once again, Ken Scholes in the series is called The Psalms of Isaac, but Ken also has three or four collections now of short fiction that you can check out as well from Fairwood Press. I believe they're all from Fairwood. Isn't that right, Ken? Yep, they have, uh, they have my collected short works, uh, three volumes um, at this point. Very cool. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Um, our mutual collaboration is called The Greatest Guns in the Galaxy. It is in Straight Out of Tombstone. And, of course, Ken has written uh, other things as well in many other places. So I hope some of you all will check that out. And, uh, Ken, thanks for being part of the show. It's always great to talk to you. Nice talking to you again, Ken. Questions or comments? Find us on Facebook at Genre Talk Podcast. This is Genre Talk. Well, that was fun. It's really cool to have a guest we both know so well that we can kind of just chit-chat with like that. Yeah, you know, back uh, at the beginning of the episode, you talked about uh, uh, the Psalms kind of defying boundaries and a lot of kids, you know, a lot of kids writing actually defying boundaries inside of genre. And uh, something that I've been thinking about uh, over that episode is that Ken himself actually kind of defies <laughs> the boundaries uh uh, in much the way that his writing does, he lives uh, what he writes with that. He really does, doesn't he? He really, <laughs> yeah. you can't easily pigeonhole Ken in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, just a, a fantastic fun guy. He really is, and and a pretty amazing writer. Um, I, I, it's interesting, I was drawn to the series because I have a background in Christian music, and of course the, the titles of all the books, Lamentation, Canticle, um, Antiphon, Requiem, and Hymn are all things that, uh, uh, you know, reminded me of that past. And, you know, it turns out as we talk about Ken, Ken has a similar past to mine in some ways in, in Christian music and things. He's gone a different direction than I have. We both moved away from it. But anyway, um, our, our, we want to thank our fan guest, Michael, um, who was, uh, uh, Michael Cummings, one of my old, Science fiction fantasy writers chat regulars who came on and did that for us. Yeah, I hadn't met him before. He was a, a great fan guest to have on. Well, it turns out that he and Ken are collaborating on stuff too. So that was kind of interesting. So he has this whole other experience, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Sorry about that. Uh... And sorry, the listeners, I keep having to jam the mute button on so that you don't hear me being, uh, well, you know, recovering from flu in the back here. No problem. Anyway, skinschools.com, <laughs> Twitter at Kinskulls, 
You can find Ken. He's very active on Facebook as well. Ken's easy to connect with. Look him up. Check him out. Um, again, his books are available for tour. This is the Psalms of Isaac, I-S-A-A-K. And, um, you know, go ahead and look him up and check him out. And uh, next week, our next guest actually in two weeks is an up-and-coming actress. Um, and her name is Michelle Martin. And I really look forward to that interview. That interview, Peter, was sick. So I had to do it by myself for once. And I didn't have a chance to get a fan guest because of last-minute scheduling changes with, with Peter and everything. Yeah, and well, you covered it for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. I covered it. So it's a, it's a full interview of me and Michelle talking, and it'll be really a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, we will talk to you next year. Have a happy new year and a great New Year's Eve. Happy holidays, everyone. Genre Talk was hosted by Brian Thomas Schmidt and Peter J. Wax. Mixed and edited by Randy Strew for a Flame in the Dark production. Theme music for Genre Talk was Your Guess Why by DJ Manifesto. Genre Talk is copyright 2017 to Peter J. Wax and Brian Thomas Schmidt.